I'd like to uh, welcome uh, each and every person uh, here this evening. A delight to uh, come to uh, CAMC. I was here in uh, April, so it was the first time I had the opportunity to uh, sit in a very tastefully and beautifully transformed building. And I know the amount of uh, time, uh, effort, that went into making it possible. And may all of our lives be inwardly uh, transformed so beautifully. So the theme for the uh, evening uh, talk is on uh, uh, liberation, dream or uh, reality. If I may just take um, fairly generalized view from the past for, for a moment and then uh, bring forward as quickly as possible to the uh, 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 present. That um, the essence of uh, Dharma teachings points again and again in our lives and the thoughtful men and women to a very deep and sustainable and genuine freedom in life. To really know one's freedom, to feel it, to experience it, and the natural uh, happiness and contentment of mind that it offers, and as something which is reliable, that we can trust in, in our daily life, despite the difficulties of our daily life, the circumstances of our daily life, yet something can hold all of that, hold our existence quite easily, quite effortlessly, which in Dharma language is called freedom. In the past, time of, uh, all the Buddha's teachings, Noble Eightfold Path, as a reminder to explore what is freedom in each and every one of these features of understanding and speech and action and livelihood, uh, etc. There, men and women entered for periods of time, lifelong, into a homeless way of life. Part of the reason for that at that time was the very severe restrictions on home life. Men were expected to follow precisely in the footsteps of their father and to keep to the same line of work or business. Women had very fixed roles, na namely as servants in their own home and bringing up uh, <coughs> children and that responsibility. All the texts seem to indicate at that time it was a very restricted way of life for the householder and therefore, a number of men and women broke out of that form and entered into a homeless way of living. And therefore, a kind of social freedom was established as a means to find a greater freedom of life. Perhaps necessary, possibly appropriate, from the indications of the uh, old texts. And that in time became rather institutionalized in terms of monks and nuns and monasteries and a rather strong 
view was uh, established. Terrific. Thank you. Thank you. Great. A strong view was established in the Theravada Buddhist tradition and in others, in fact, that one to find liberation in life, one really had to be born, or they would say reborn, as a, preferably as a monk, second best would be a nun, and, <laughs> and, and that would really offer the opportunity for, for, for liberation, for a liberated way of, of life. Mercifully, things have uh, uh, changed quite significantly, and there has been a tremendous movement to find, in fact, greater uh, freedom in our life through the various roles, activities, uh, responsibilities that we have in our daily life. And therefore, the need, I would say, to depart from uh, home to homeless in that old form isn't so necessary as it uh, once was because we do have the opportunity within the context of one's life to find this precious freedom which the saints and the sages and the prophets past, present and future keep reminding us is available, is accessible and is something worth really discovering in life above all else. Just recently that means uh, uh, this, th th this year I had the uh, privilege with uh, Nina, my partner, to um, be in some of the, uh, be in a kind of pilgrimage and that has included uh, in that course initially in Budgaya, place of the Buddha's enlightenment, in Saranath where the Buddha gave his first uh, teachings, in Varanasi, the main religious uh, centre of Hindu India and then uh, in the last uh, month or so in uh, Israel, including period of time in uh, uh, Jerusalem, and also going to the uh, incredibly hot uh, Sinai Desert in the middle of the summer, and which hasn't had any rain, incidentally, since October 1997. But my goodness, we're making up for it here. And we went to the mountain where Moses is said to have uh, gone in uh, search of God to receive the uh, uh, tablets. And the, the weather in, uh, we do centigrade in Europe, in the, in the uh, 40s here, 110, it was there, it was 110, 120, 125, it was extraordinarily hot. And so at four o'clock in the afternoon, we climbed to the top of uh, the mountain. Some of you may know this. It's a winding, hard, three-hour walk with about 600 steps at, at, at the end as the, the final act of self-mortification. <laughs> <laughs> and getting up there for seven o'clock in the evening just before the sunset. But it is awesome. It is an awesome spot on this uh, earth. The, the, the silence, the extraordinary beauty of uh, the, the, the landscape, the, the, the stillness and the, and the, st and the stars uh, there. And it's said, one could contemplate on this in the uh, uh, Hebrew Bible, it's, uh, it says, and in the Christian one too, of course, it says, God appeared to Moses 
in a burning bush in a bur and the bush didn't go out one could contemplate this is in light of the talk this evening one could contemplate on the profound truth of what that means you could spend a lifetime on it and you wouldn't waste a moment to do it so sometimes we think in terms of uh, liberation as something utterly other far away from our world far away from our experience and something which belongs to an incredibly transcendental state which only some lucky individual by chance dis discovers on a meditation retreat or in a cave or, or whatever and we've made a metaphysic out of it, far removed from human life. And then we've elevated people who attain all of that into another megastatus. God appeared in a burning bush. In the heat of things. And so sometimes in contemplating of the nature of liberation, of finding a real freedom in life perhaps it's closer than what we think perhaps the immediacy of of the essence of the teachings is not actually so far away and many times on retreats over now 25 years of the privilege of serving the Dharma people have said oh liberation what's that freedom, what, what's, what's that? I can barely find my nose in breath meditation how far all of that is got to be away from me. And the thought is sincere, the thought is believed, the thought seems to be a confirmation of experience up to the here and now. Why bother to take any notice of it? Millions of times in our life we have a belief something is impossible or far away or distant or unachievable or whatever. Let's not take too much notice and regard a thought just as a thought so that perhaps there is the real genuine possibility we can dare to think, just to start, not getting too ambitious, just dare to think the essence of the Dharma, essence of deep spiritual teaching is closer than what we think. If we just dare to tread a little bit along those lines. We were in Jerusalem for um, a number of days and uh, been going to uh, Israel for several uh, years. It's a place where um, um, before I, I, I leave uh, Totnes, that in India is the only place I go to in the world where I pack the bags days before I leave home. Everywhere else, evening before America. <laughs> I'm so, oh, sorry, Mary, I'm in America. I'm, I apologize. <laughs> it's a wonderful country. <laughs> and, um, but I can feel the itch of enthusiasm of going to uh, uh, Israel and going to, to uh, uh, India. And that well-known uh, rabbi in the Christian community, Jesus, from uh, Nazareth, uh, said, be ever watchful, the kingdom of God is at hand. God, what is that? That's another one of those 
extraordinary, profound and beautiful statements of life to really dwell upon. The, the truth of things, the liberating essence of things is much closer, as I said before, than we think. And let's not be afraid nor shy in life to say, is there that possibility? Is there that possibility for all of us? So the, within the various traditions, not just Buddhist tradition of course, but other traditions as well, in various ways there are these reminders to us of something which is available. Sometimes it may be quite necessary for us to stop and take a look at our life and take a, sometimes a good, hard, long look at it and there may be periods in our life where that's really important and that long look at our life to see what we feel we have to be honest with ourselves here what we feel pretty clear and pretty comfortable with in our life and to really acknowledge that in other words what in our experience in our everyday areas of our life can we say of ourselves yes I am at ease with this whatever it may be, the, the sense of feeling at ease with. And to trust in that sense of at ease with, called samatha in Buddhist tradition, calmness of being. Then uh, areas of our life too, which, and that may need to be cultivated and, and, and developed. Cultivating calmness in life calmness in different situations, practicing calmness in different situations, developing it, maturing as a human being through learning to be calm in different situations. It's a beautiful practice. And the other, there are areas of our life which we need to be very clear about. And that will require from us some real insight into what do I need in my life to be clearer about? What do I need to see? And obviously areas of difficulty, anguish, confusion, conflict, suffering or whatever, are obvious areas in our life where that requires some care and attention as well. An extraordinary analogy or metaphor of the, the Buddha with regard to this, he said, in like he said, our home is like a castle. And with the castle, he said, there's eyes, ears, nose, tongue and touch. And they're like the doors of the castle. And two birds, the windows of the castle, sorry, and two birds fly through the doors and they bring a message to the lord of the castle. And the lord of the castle is awareness. And then he says, what are the two messages, messengers which are brought to the lord of the castle? One is the important, the names of the two birds, one is calm and one is insight. And these two messengers coming to the lord of the castle, what's the message that they bring? And then he says, the message of liberation. 
So some areas of our life, as I pointed out, we need to develop calmness in life. Some areas of our life we need to bring uh, clarity and insight to. And generating an intentional and purposeful cultivation of these two will bring us that much closer to finding a freedom in life which brings peace of mind. It's a funny, th- the, the world or the culture that we um, uh, li- live in is, is, what should we call it? Polite English here, mildly wacky. <laughs> <laughs> and mild in the, res- in the re- re- uh, respect that there's tremendous focus in our life I think we probably, most of us would agree with this, on the outer. Extraordinary focus. And a kind of view in in this world that to have more is to be better off. And this view has got deeply ingrained into the psyche deeply, and you and I, we should never underestimate the powerfulness of one view consolidated in the life, personally, socially, politically, economically, of the view that the movement of life needs to be towards more. And this is, I would say, off-center. It's gone way too far. We've moved far too over this. And all that when one looks, all that our, I'm in my 50s, so all that one might say one's grandparents and grandfather and great-grandfather dreamed about, I mean, we've got things which they were just out of their world view, we have. But the happiness just hasn't come with it. In Britain, for example, I don't know how people ever come to these figures, these opinion poll wallers, but (laughs) it was said 40 years ago, the average person, what that means, I have never fathomed out, but the average person expressed their happiness for 18 minutes in a day. (laughs) (laughs) It is now down to six minutes. People have time to be happy. <laughs> so there's this movement that's going on in the inner life, driven along by forces inwardly and, uh, and outwardly, and the pressure of that movement is so potent in people's lives, it's extraordinarily difficult to actually call any kind of break on this, to slow down and to stop, and to really say, is this really the direction I want to be going in, and is this really what I want to be doing? And sometimes, even when the thought arises, and the doubts arise, and the concerns arise, the compelling factors, whether it's paying off the 
dreadful student loan that, um, that people are always telling me about here, or whether it's paying for a mortgage, or whether it's developing a career, or whatever it, it might be, all the, those, those pressures that, that go on, hold people in a kind of vice-like grip. And we become kind of modern slaves. Slaves to the system, slaves to the corporate world, slaves to money, slaves to work, slaves to paying off debts or whatever. And it's a, an imprisonment which people talk about and protest about and express concern about, but somehow we get locked into it. And then we have these places just up the road with that lovely... What is man that thou art mindful of him? Said Mr... What's his name? Mr Emerson up at... Um, what's that uni out there? Harvard, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that, I'm kidding. <laughs> and, and somehow we generate factories for the mind, which we politely call universities to absorb more and more knowledge. <coughs> so it's part of this more syndrome. And it's so imprisoning. Somewhere there's got to be some kind of concern or change or protest or different way of looking. To find, not to go to other extremes, but to find some kind of middle ground. And therefore, we may have to be bold enough to think not so much of going from, as they did two and a half thousand years ago, from being householders to homeless. We may have to dare start thinking uh, about going from being, dare I say, from upwardly mobile to downwardly mobile. <laughs> and dare to look at the benefit of having less rather than more. Not to the extreme that one ends up with this tragic and desperate poverty and, and, and the impoverishment of such people's lives struggling to make ends meet, but actually to have the willingness and the, the guts, and in fact, to take a good hard look at our existence and to say, am I dream being driven along to something more which will not change the quality of the inner life? Do not think more is brings happiness. If one is not in a state of impoverishment uh, in the way that I just spoke, do not think and delude ourselves with it, with this viewpoint. There's no evidence for it. And one only has to look at the so-called mega-successful people and the uh, tragedy that can go in their lives. So somewhere in all of this, Dharma teachings and Dharma uh, practices are a way of reminding all of us to uh, be able to take some time to stop. Sometimes, in that movement towards bigger, whatever it might be, one's got so much stuff in one's apartment, one decides one has to have a bigger apartment. It's easy to have a bigger apartment. Just get rid of half your stuff and you've got one. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes 
we just take a change of view there and we take a look at our uh, but sometimes to be fair to oneself in the movement towards what is bigger there is a feeling in life that something which is bigger and better temporarily when one whatever it might be one gets some genuine satisfaction <coughs> out of it whatever it might be something new something novel uh, something nicer, something more expensive, something wh whatever it whatever it might might be, where 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 wherever it might might be. But in Dharma teachings, it is to be somewhat or easily lost in all of that, and when we get lost in uh, all all of that, some self deception goes on with our life. Anything that you and I have secured in life, call it a role, call it success, call it position, call it privilege, call it status, call it accomplishment or whatever, whatever you and I have achieved in uh, life, in this world, and people do achieve lovely and wonderful things, obviously can be measured. Anything, it can be measured. It's measured by what it is, it's measured through comparison with other things, and it's vulnerable because what anything which arises in our life can dissolve. Homes can go, children can go, um, job can go, etc. Anything which we arrive and achieve and accomplish in life has a vulnerability because of the circumstances of life, what arises can pass. If we don't bring a very clear awareness to that, that which provides us with a lot of pleasure and satisfaction and happiness, the very same thing can end up bringing us terrible anguish and terrible sadness. Because anything which is measurable, human, status, money, things or whatever it is that matters to us requires in the relationship to a very clear wisdom about it. If we don't have that wisdom about it and a very clear one, good luck. Life is going to be rough. Because we will be putting into it what it can't give us. When we put so much into things which they can't provide for us in return, whatever it might be, that movement in that, in tough language is used in Buddhism, it's called living in maya. When the movement of the mind is projecting all sorts of qualities and features and specifics and attachments and making much of something or someone called role, called relationship, called money, whatever. And we put a, the mind is putting a lot into it and we really believe in it and we're really thinking that's how it is and we're generating incredible dependency. All of that is called maya. It's living in a kind of illusion, but it's a very vulnerable one. Something changes or whatever and all of that movement, if the thing changes, the inner life can collapse. The collapse in the inner life 
is called unhappiness, it's called depression, it's called feeling incredibly sad, it's called feeling very distressed or whatever. All too human, build up, collapse. Sometimes, to repeat myself, sometimes you and I, we need to stop and we need to be and just say, am I putting too much into something that in a way and others are supporting, I'm setting myself up. Am I doing this? Am I willing to be honest? What areas in my life as a human being am I not doing that? Therefore I am at ease with. Can we have just enough clarity in life to be helpful to ourselves to know what is what? Just to know what is what with ourselves. Sometimes in um, the looking and into the exploration of uh, finding uh, freedom in life, the uh, Dharma teachings have ref- uh, refer to, to use actually different words, um, um, vimuti and moksha, and sometimes just quite naturally and spontaneously, you and I, we might experience a lovely sense of freedom. And that can be happen just spontaneously, of course, in a meditation, um, in the nature, by the sea, uh, a lovely connection with another hum- human being, lots of ways in life which can feel a quite natural sense of freedom. And in the moment of those moments, what we notice with ourselves, a real sense of that and the quality of that is, you and I, we're not demanding anything from this world. We're not wanting, demanding anything from ourselves, and we're not demanding anything from life, anything from others, just a natural sense of freedom, and there's no demand in it anywhere. Those moments are precious beyond belief. If we're not experiencing those moments, please change your life quickly. If if we've lost out on that, and one hears, I never have any sense of freedom of the moment and joy of the moment and an undemanding sense of the moment, etc. Then something has to be changing inwardly, quickly, to recover one of the sweetest things of life. That sense of that moment is a taste of the ultimate liberation which all deep spiritual teachings point to. But that is so often, and humanly enough, very much dependent on the situation. Had a wonderful, whoever the eye is, had a wonderful day walking in the forest in uh, New England and feeling beautifully connected and feeling that natural freedom as a human being. And wonderful uh, uh, period of, of meditation and just feeling my freedom and presence there. I had a won- wonderful uh, day of just loving uh, the life and, and the joy and the freedom that's available, etc. Mostly, it's connected to 
a specific time, a specific place, a specific circumstances. But it definitely has a freedom in it. And one feels, it's not intellectual, one feels a certain kind of freedom of being. And the quality of it and the sense of it. Liberation is, that's the norm. It's normal. That's the difference. Quality of sa- is the same, feeling of the same, sense of the same, but it's normal. It's not dependent on a beautiful environment, uh, the wonder of a day, uh, a mystical experience, uh, uh, a profound contact with another human being. It's normal. If one says, as you listen, no, Christopher, I've got no, never had that, can't relate to it, you're totally out to lunch. Whatever, any of that has got no bearing in my experience, whatever. Fair enough. It might be helpful if one has that response in the listening to say, is there anything in the inner life which is big enough to obstruct? This is the downwardly mobile aspect of the practice. Is there anything in life called job, called roles, called money, called relationships, called past, called future, etc., big enough, holding me enough, gripping on me, my consciousness enough, to stop that natural sense of natural freedom? If there is, please look at it. Please see if that can change in its size. See if it can just shrink a little bit, not be such a big issue. Sometimes, just I'm just at um, IMS at the uh, present, teaching there for uh, 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 eight days, and in one of the inquiry periods there, and this is a little bit in, in the culture of uh, 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 elsewhere, elsewhere as well, but here um, uh, rather noticeably. And that is, the people in the United States, as much as I love you, to use adjectives. You know, I mean, you know, I know the English are the masters of the understatement, but my, <laughs> my goodness, this country is the master of the overstatement. <laughs> and somebody was having a difficult time about um, uh, public inquiries, in terms of. Um, Following um, with yoga, uh, teaching yoga and, um, and and creativity, creative writing, and, and, and other things, and and one or two other areas in her life of how to integrate it all and work with it. You know, nice to hear, but it was this—I can't remember the words that were used—but this terrible conflict that I'm in, this, and it's obsessing my mind, and it's this. Huge big words for what seemed to me a little dilemma. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes we, we don't realize that there is an event taking place in our life which does have concern, which the mind has built up to be big. And we forget that the relationship to it 
may be far more important than it. It seems to be the drama. No, it isn't. Small change. The relationship to it has made some huge catastrophe. And one, pers one person said, went through a difficult time and said, I've had this, this is just a day or two ago, IMF, I've had this incredible ego-shattering experience, you know, as, as a nightmare, you know, ego I said, look, I nearly said darling, but it's politically incorrect, so I said, look, if you had an ego-shattering experience, you'd be completely liberated. What would you be worrying about? <laughs> So I think in, in, in what has built up to be big is going to take a little, just enough space to say the building may be the problem, not what I'm looking at. And therefore my emotive language, my, the force of my uh, of attention upon it, what I bring to it, matters as much as the event itself. Therefore, downwardly mobile in building things up big. It's only life. And in that down, it may generate enough space just to have in some intimation in life of something of sense of freedom despite. Freedom in spite of. Sometimes in all of this, I'll just come to a uh, close in a moment. Sometimes in all of this, and I think this is particularly um, in areas of uh, freedom of being and uh, genuinely free life, there which the events of our mind uh, which take place in it. Sometimes we have an ideal either projected on uh, 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 others um, or upon ourselves or whatever, that if there is freedom, liberation, to, instead of the movement in life towards the measurable, all finite things are measurable, if one's going to have a movement in life towards something significant, well, I take the view, we're really going to do it properly, let's go for jackpot. And jackpot is realizing not the measurable and all the ways that that can be done, but realizing the immeasurable. Not going for things which are, are, are finite, but going for something which is infinite. Gonna, if you're going to put your attention to something, well, let's go all the way and not settle, as the Buddha wryly commented, for something less than the best, etc. <coughs> Otherwise, we are kind of made poor by that, you know, from a spiritual standpoint. Um, certain, I won't mention names, I don't like to do that, but let's, I call it, I make it impersonal, the founder of Microsoft, <laughs> might, from a spiritual standpoint, and others could be considered, if the mind is imprisoned in that, rather poor. 
settled for the finite. Maybe a lot of finite, but still. <laughs> <laughs> Judging by that Seattle home, a lot of finite, but it's still finite. And the self is bound up with it. So if we say yes, all of that does have a place in life, we have to live, we have to function, we have to eat, we have to connect, etc., etc. But sometimes we have an ideal, as I mentioned, about freedom, and that if there's freedom, then there's nothing left to work on on oneself. Well, I never met a human being, either myself or others, who doesn't have areas of life to work on. That's living, includes working on oneself. And in that working on ourselves and looking into, our, looking into ourselves, one actually feels, I think it's an important thing, a freedom in life to do that. A freedom in life to actually look at oneself, to see what the tendencies are there, to get feedback. And some of us, and I am definitely in the some of us, who are quite thick-skinned, and then people are saying things to one for years etc, etc, and it gradually, because one's thick skin, sinks in, then it sinks in a bit stronger, oh, no, yeah, okay, I'm getting it, I'm getting it, uh, etc. And I think probably most of us in our various ways are uh, like that. And in that, bringing awareness there, as the lord of the castle, as the Buddha said, and th a freedom to look within, see what the tendencies are, tendencies of attraction, tendencies of aversion, or whatever, form they may be expressed and say, okay, one is a human being, we've got responsibilities to work on that. No matter who we are, what we, what we are, to really work in those uh, uh, areas and so that we don't stray too far off the middle way. And that we're likely to do if we get caught up in attractions and caught up in aversions and we'll lose that freedom of the middle ground. So we ask ourselves, honestly and openly and with each other, where do I get caught up? What's the skillful means to look at all of that? What even temporary moments do give me the sense of freedom? To really feel the quality of it, like it's tangible, it's a, a, a sense, it's even in just a few moments there. there sometimes through cultivation, sometimes spontaneously. So when does that come? When did I notice that? What's that feel like? What's the sense of that when I'm not, I have no demands on this existence whatsoever? And perhaps in that, we will discover that which is truly free. And therefore no event from birth, change, aging, praise or blame, gain or loss, aging or death, will take away. Because that freedom cannot be corrupted. Mind can make mistakes. We can be foolish. Do stupid things in life, etc., etc. Uh, et and the mind's like that. But it all rests in something beautifully free. Please make that the centre of things the interest in that, the centre, and therefore, to, as much as we can, make our life fit into that. And then we pay the deepest of respect to the Dharma, 
deepest of respect to our very existence. And out of that will come a lot of love, a lot of kindness, a lot of connection, and a lot of interest in anything which inside of us is unfree. May all beings live with awareness. May all beings see into ourselves. May all beings live a free life and the happiness that comes from it. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.